Hello and welcome to the Impact Wave podcast series, Short Waves, Lasting Impact. I'm your host, Mark Serber, and it's a pleasure to be with you. And today we are joined by Dr. Rachel Cavallero, licensed clinical physician with a demonstrated history of working in hospital and healthcare industries, both inpatient and outpatient, with experience in multiple genres and treatments such as cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, prolonged exposure, PTSD, and many other treatments. Uh, Dr. Cavallero is also a veteran and works with a lot of members of our military. And doctor, it's such a pleasure to have you join us here on Impact Wave. Let me start by asking you, uh, obviously National Suicide Prevention Week was September 4th through 10th, but it's it's a topic we need to be talking about all the time, all year round. And there is a new 24-7 number for mental health, um, which is uh, 998. And uh, Dr. Cavallero, I know that suicide is a huge issue, not only in the general population, but in the military community as well. What are the, the major contributors within the military to thoughts of suicide and actual suicides? Absolutely. Well, Mark, thanks for having me. Um, so, yes, suicide is such a problem, and certainly in the military, and our military members are we're seeing higher rates of suicide in military members based on some of the things that they go through because there's so many unique challenges that mil military members face. So the first, I think the most obvious one is deployments. So deployments as well as the reintegration or the transition back home really disrupts an individual's life, the family system, and not to mention all of the adverse experiences that one might uh, encounter on deployment. And, and that certainly depends on where the person is deployed to, uh, the level of either trauma or adverse events that somebody might witness. Um, but romantic relationships are a significant contributor to reasons for living and reasons for dying. Uh, financial hardship creates this factor Certainly, co-occurring mental illness is a risk factor, depression uh, more specifically. People who are more impulsive tend to commit suicide uh, more often, as well as people who are using substance abuse. And, and substance abuse is a, a big one, and again, something that really affects our military members as well. Um, and we see individuals coming back from deployment with PTSD and then using substances to try to reduce their symptoms. But unfortunately, that, that doesn't work. Um, in the short term, it may numb them, but in the long term, of course, it creates greater difficulties, greater disruptions. And I think, obviously, w one of the hardest things, as you said, about coming back and kind of integrating in the rest of society is, is people like me who who are members of civil society and never served, we can't even begin to imagine or fathom what those who serve our country have had to go through. And, and so I think one of the questions to ask is, how can those of the, the general population talk to and welcome and interact with, and if needed, help those members of our military who are suffering? You know, a big thing, too, is reducing the stigma of mental health as a whole, right? And suicide is one of those topics that many people are uncomfortable with. 
even some mental health providers are uncomfortable talking about suicide with the individuals that they see because it can feel very, very scary. And, and it is for both people in that conversation, but we need to talk about it more. We need to talk about mental health and specifically suicide more and raising awareness and reducing stigma. Because if you create more of a safe space, a more non-judgmental space, that's when people are going to be more open, more honest, sharing with you. So when people are giving away like their prized possessions or withdrawing and not communicating, those sorts of things, feeling really hopeless, that's when you want to check in with somebody. Ask them, how are you doing? Ask people directly, you know, are, are you thinking about suicide? Have you had thoughts about suicide? Have you ever thought about hurting yourself? Do you want to hurt yourself? Right? Uh, sometimes people may make these comments and people brush them off like, oh, you know, they're just saying that. Right? And, and that's a big thing. Um, you know, so-and-so is just saying that to express how they're feeling. But that's not the case. Sometimes people genuinely mean it. They have thought about how they might kill themselves. They have an intent to. Right? So big things that we want to look for as mental health providers and, and anyone else in the community is, is there a plan, is there an intent, a desire, and the means to do so. So the, the plan and the means can often go together. And the one thing about suicide in the military is they often have access to firearms. And access to firearms is a significant risk factor. And we're seeing that men uh, commit suicide more often uh, because they're usually using more lethal means such as firearms. And again, I'm saying this as somebody who, who hasn't served, so I don't even know if I have a, a right to say this or to ask this question really, but I imagine if, if, you're be, if you've been in the military, you are so skilled, you have been through so much, you've handled so much, you've gotten yourself out of, of so many different situations you probably feel like you should be able to handle anything. Mm -hmm. So how do you know when this is something that you can no longer handle a, and that you should and b that it's okay to ask for help. But when you've been trained your whole life to handle any, any, every situation that comes at you, how do you give yourself that permission against kind of that mentality to say, okay, I really need help on this. Mm -hmm. That is a tough one, especially in the military. There is this attitude, this overwhelming attitude that you got to suck it up and drive on, right? You can't let anything hold you back. And a lot of that steps from just the stigma of mental illness. So if you are having a hard time doing your job, if you are having increased conflict with your, your loved ones, your family, your friends, if you're withdrawing from things that you used to do, you know, you used to go play basketball on Saturdays with your friends and you're not doing that anymore. Um, you're not finding enjoyment in the things that you used to do or other activities. Those are indicators that you need some help. Now, you can always ask for help from a friend or a loved one or talk to somebody. Sometimes that's enough, right? Just because you have these thoughts doesn't necessarily mean that you need professional help. But if you start having these thoughts, 
more frequently and they become truly distressing for you, then it's very important to seek out help from a mental health professional. Is there kind of a Rubicon where, you know, at one point it might creep in your head and they could just be like a thought or it could just kind of be like, you know, kind of like a, you know, instantaneous thought and then it goes away. But how do you know when you've crossed like, okay, this is just the thought that jumped in my head or this is an idea to like, all right, like this isn't a joke or this isn't just like, you know, something that keeps creeping into my mind and I'm pushing it out. I actually do need to seek an intervention. Is there a Rubicon or is it kind of the minute you begin to feel that way, you should seek help right away? No, no. Uh, the, lots of people will have that thought. And that's why you don't necessarily need to seek help if you just have the thought. Again, many people will. The, the alluring part about it for some people is it always seems like an escape or a relief. It's always an end to suffering in some way. So you may have that thought. And if you're scared by that thought, that's actually a really good thing. Mm -hmm. It's when you start again thinking about uh, how you might do it and really committing to that thought where that's what that's when you need help in particular. And where can members of the military go to, to seek these interventions? What kind of resources are available to them? The military has a host of um resources so you have military one source if you are a active duty military member on the base you can go to your chaplain you can go to your behavioral health facility there's oftentimes a, a overwhelming amount of resources uh, sometimes people just don't know how to access them so it would really depend on kind of your your duty post and where you're at uh, you could also go to a VA hospital as well, um, and the Department of Veteran Affairs often has other community-based clinics as well. And finally, D Dr. Cavallero, what did you kind of learn about yourself and how you need to handle your own mental health while you were serving? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, so when I was serving, the end of my career, I was in a leadership position. And so when you're in a leadership position, I was a staff sergeant. Um, oftentimes I was running a squad, but more often I was running a platoon of soldiers. So this is like 40 individuals. And when you're in a leadership position, it feels very lonely because you cannot turn towards junior soldiers. You're not supposed to, it's very frowned upon. Um, and then there's fewer leaders. It can be harder to connect with other individuals. And again, you never want to portray that image of weakness or that you can't handle anything. Um, so that was a significant challenge. So for me, I had to find somebody that I could connect to. Um, somebody in particular while I was in Afghanistan was my radio operator. And that was like my right hand person. And she was wonderful. One of my favorite interventions that I recommend people, particularly who are struggling with depression, is writing a gratitude letter. And so, you know, sometimes my frustrations with the military will come up periodically. 
especially as, you know, new events happen, remembering 9-11, you know, a lot of those memories come back. Um, and I was struggling with that about two years ago, kind of around the same time. And I, I wrote her a gratitude letter and I reached out to her and I said, you really thank, I've never thanked you for being there for me and just being able to talk to me when I needed it um, and showing up so that I didn't feel so alone. That, that connection, that bond that we had was so helpful and so healing. And again, writing that letter years later still helped me connect with her in a more meaningful way um, and really helped me get through some of those feelings of anger and bitterness that I was experiencing later. Dr. Cavallero, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And thank you so much for joining us here on Shortwave's Lasting Impact. And thank you so much to everybody who has served or is serving our country. Uh, those of us who are civilians will never understand what you've gone through or what you've done in order to protect our country, but we are internally grateful. Thank you so much. And we look forward to you joining us here again and Dr. Cavallero again here on Shortwave's Lasting Impact. Thank you.